Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware and Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. And welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic from the business owner's or executive's perspective. We aren't necessarily telling you what to do, but we can put you in a position to make an informed decision on your own and understand we might need help along the way. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Warren Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia. Brady, we're sponsoring this podcast, which is being recorded in Atlanta for social distancing protocols. If you like this podcast, please subscribe in your favorite podcast aggregator, and please consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. Today, we're going to discuss the topic, uh, do I need to go all in on building a personal brand? And um, you know, ever, ever since this, this, this coronavirus thing really hit home, and we've all been sent scattering to our homes and, and hastily building uh, work from home workstations, complexes, turning dining room tables into head, corporate headquarters and so forth. I, I've been thinking a lot about this topic because you know, I'm, I'm in very much an old industry firm. And let, let's face it, now I think that some of our firms uh, and us included are uh, actively thinking about how to best adopt and adapt to modern business techniques, practices, methodologies. Um, but you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, the, the world is and has changed. Um, and, and I don't think that it's at all a guarantee that it's going to go back to the way it was, say, February first or January fifteenth. And, and as I think about that, you know, I think about my my business partners i think about my colleagues i think about my clients i think about people that are in my ecosystem um whom i care about and and i wonder what is to become of them if their primary method for building a brand or or building their not even a brand but just sort of a circle of people that are helpful to them I don't know what the word for that would be, so I'm just going to use that very awkward terminology. But what's going to become of them, right? What, what becomes of you if your primary vehicle for initiating and developing relationships is networking and exchanging physical business cards and, and shaking, shaking hands with people, right? Or God forbid, hugging them, right? It's just what becomes of you if that's your if that's your world, and frankly, that's how you have been successful for the last 35 years of your career, right? And, and, and the, honest, the honest, no sugarcoating answer, as I try to do on this podcast, is an asteroid has hit. Now, it's hit on the other side of the planet, so the shockwave hasn't really hit. It's hit, it's hit in Mexico, uh, but we're in... Eastern Europe, and so the shock wave hasn't hit the the, the fragments of molten lava or, or or volcanic rock haven't rained down on us yet. So there's a little bit of time, but the fact of the matter is an asteroid has hit, 
and you know these these conferences, these seminars, these these professional meetings, trade associations, uh, happy hours, and so forth. You know, at a minimum, I don't know anybody that thinks they're going to come back tomorrow. And I'm of the camp that you know I'm not sure they're going to come back, um, maybe ever. Certainly not in the medium term. And so, what do you do, right? You still, as a company, you still—I don't care how many costs you cut. There's not a single company out there that is viable long term if you don't generate revenue. Um, and I don't care whatever sort of other quote other things you do in terms of building infrastructure and trying to be else helpful to the to you, your company that you work for or that you own. Um, and I'm on record of saying this, right? If if you're not a profit center, you are expendable. And as I'm recording this on May eighth. 2020, the, the most recent unemployment figure shows 14.5% unemployment, which I th- is better than I thought it would be. I, I think we'll see 20%. Um, and and, and you, you, just, you do not want to be in a position where somebody looks at you as a cost center. You've got to be a profit center. And a profit center is, is somebody who generally, there are exceptions, but somebody who is going to bring in revenue. And, and because and because the world we're in now, because that, that sort of active pinging that we're used to is just off the table, what do you do? And, and, and I think the answer is, is about building a personal brand where you don't have to meet people directly. And I think I'll say with, with as much modesty as I can muster, I've had some success doing that. And, and exhibit A is that I've never met over half of my clients in person. Um, and I think that's, that's a help showing them my face is not going to close deals. I promise. Um, but, but the fact that my clients really don't care if they ever meet me in person, I think shows you that there's a personal brand out there that's had some effectiveness and it's not because I'm great at it. It's just because it's something that I chose to do. And so I'm picking this topic and I'm picking this topic now because, I think that it's a, I think it's something that everybody out there has to be thinking about, even if you're not an executive, right? I, I received a, a LinkedIn message from a friend of mine yesterday who has a son that wants a, a business internship, right? And no, very few people are handing out internships right now. They're trying to figure out how to keep their 30 year or 20 year employees busy um, and, and paid, right? So where's that internship going to come from? And my answer was, you know, if you want to stand out, start building that, that personal brand, right? I only came to this table, I only came to this party 15 years ago. Um, you know, I wish I would have had the opportunity and the foresight at age 20 to start doing this. I'd be miles ahead. And, and, and that's the way I think you're going to stand out. Even as somebody who's looking for an internship, have a personal brand, have a, have a reason for people to know you, to remember you, to identify you as a special individual is bringing something that's unique and special to the table. And, and happily this, my, my thinking on this topic coincides with uh, something that for me has been very fortunate. Um, you know, about a year ago, I made a new friend named, named Jared Kleinert and to be candid, I, I'd never heard of him before, but, but he, he reached out to me and, and was introduced to me because at the time, he was planning to move to uh, to the ATL, which he has since done. We're delighted for that, right? And but it, you know, it turns out that you know even in his teens, he has understood uh, organically 
about the importance about building a personal brand. Literally, it's it's not hyperbole to say that he is a he is a genius and a prodigy at doing that. He's built a personal. And when I read off his bio, you're going to see why. Um, he, he's a guy that 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 sort of has this in 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 his in his DNA. And, and, um, I'm delighted that he has agreed to come on to talk about this. Cause I cannot think of anybody better. You know, you can have your Gary Vaynerchuk's, you can have your Tim Ferriss's and, and they're all great. You can give me Jared Kleinert every day of the week. So I want to introduce Jared who his current deal is he's founder of meeting of the minds, uh, as well as, as a Ted speaker, uh, is a multi-award winning author and has been named as USA Today's most connected millennial. Okay. So maybe, maybe you're kind of getting this now. Uh, his invite only mastermind community meeting of the minds curates top entrepreneurs, chief executive officers, and business owners for quarterly summits. Members of this network typically operating seven figure businesses with no outside investors enjoy more predictable revenue, increased profitability, and sustainable growth for their companies. In addition to new lifelong friendships and long-term business partnerships. And we talked a little bit about this topic uh, with Mark Borelli in a previous episode, where we talked about um, uh, professional and business peer groups such as uh, as Vistage, and and talked about the value of those those sorts of things. What Jared does is is, is the same thing, but I think it's more exclusive and a little bit more amped up on steroids. Uh, Jared's career began at 15 years old when he started his first company and took off at 16 while working as the first intern and then one of the first employees for an enterprise SaaS company called 15.5. And we had one of their founders, Shane Metcalf, come on to talk about how to be an effective remote worker. And I hope you enjoyed that podcast because it was it was terrific. Uh, and I'm still begging him to introduce me to Simon Sinek, who, as everybody knows, I have a, a disturbingly high man crush on. Um, but And today, 15.5 has raised over $40 million and has almost 2,000 forward-thinking companies as monthly recurring clients. Uh, Jared is the author of multiple books, including the number one entrepreneurship book of 2015, 2 Billion Under 20, which I have read, uh, How Millennials Are Breaking Down Age Barriers and Changing the World. And he spoke at TED at IBM the day he turned before 20. Uh, Jared, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, and I, uh, I appreciate the flattery. I'm going to have to take the uh, the quote of, you know, you can have your Gary Vaynerchuk, you can have your Tim Ferriss, but I'll take Jared any day. I uh, I appreciate that. Well, it's it's uh, it's open source, and it's it's really, I mean, I've already got you on the podcast. I have no incentive to suck up to you, um, but it's it's really, you know, what what you've accomplished is remarkable, and you've done so in a way where I presume it's basically self-taught, where, you know, there are people my age with, uh, you know, gray hair and arthritic ankles and all that we would love to accomplish that in, in, in a lifetime. And now we realize, boy, we really need to accomplish stuff like that in, in a lifetime. So, you know, have, having you with your talent and your story here, um, it's, it's really, I think, a terrific resource for our, our listeners. And, and frankly, I'm going to nag all the partners in my firm to listen to this. Yeah, and and none of us are completely self-taught. You know, I mean, I've uh, benefited from meeting hundreds of the world's smartest and most talented millennials, and um, consulting for people who have uh, New York Times best-selling books and who are Rhodes Scholars and who are 
you know, really world class at what they do. So uh, I've been very fortunate over time to download as much as I can from the people around me. But I think that's part of why we're we're talking about this topic today is that you are you know the average of the the people you meet and you know how uh, high of a quality time you spend with them. So let, let's let's start at the very beginning. You know, who needs a personal brand? Why do you need one? Yeah, I, I mean, I think everyone. Uh, you know, I, I started my first business at 15 uh, and you know, didn't know anyone <laughs> and or didn't know anything. Um, I you know, really began my career with a series of cold emails uh, that I was doing to individuals on the West Coast of the United States when I was living in South Florida, uh, where I was born and raised. Uh, and so in, in a way, I've been practicing uh, some of the, you know, reach out methods to influential people and the hustle and the um, relationship building efforts that we could all apply during this time of social distancing. Uh, and so, you know, started my first business at 15, failed miserably, you know, didn't know uh, anything about my, the industry I was playing in. I didn't know anything about my competitors, uh, didn't have enough capital, Biggest mistake I made was poor mentor selection, um, and I was spending six months uh, hanging out with a guy who I later found out had served time in prison for securities fraud on Wall Street, uh, oh which is definitely not who you want to associate with if you want a long, prosperous career as an yeah. entrepreneur. Nowhere um, to go but up. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> so at sixteen, you know, I had negative connections and negative experience. Uh, but you know, I, I realized that I, I needed to do a 180 and surround myself with not just high integrity individuals, because uh, I think you have to be around great people first and foremost, uh, but also people that were real subject matter experts at what they're working on. I think that part is really important as well. Uh, and so you know, that's when I send a cold email to uh, David Hassel, the, the CEO and founder of 15.5, um, Shane's co-founder. Uh, and... You know, I reached out uh, because I read about him. He was called the most connected man you don't know in Silicon Valley, according to Forbes. Uh, and when I was thinking about reaching out, you know, I had to think about what I could offer him. Uh, why, why would he give me his time of day? Uh, he had uh, he was a serial entrepreneur. He had a successful uh, business going, and he had he had a great network and a, a great brand or, or another word we could use for brand is maybe reputation uh, in this conversation. And I was just a 16-year-old kid in Florida <laughs> who uh, had spent six months learning under a former white-collar convict and <laughs> had a failed startup. So um, nevertheless, I sent him an email, um, basically offered to work for free in exchange for his mentorship. Uh, and that led to you know an, an internship at his company, which led to me being uh, one of the first 10 employees at his company. Uh, and from there, that single super connector uh, in David uh, snowballed into a whole network of people that I'm still in touch with today, you know, advisors of 15.5, uh, some of their clients. Uh, in fact, one of their clients is, uh, one of their former clients is now speaking at a uh, or at an event I'm hosting in, in about a week uh, at, at time of recording. And, uh, you know, you also build the skill set of reaching out to more people like David. Um, you also pick up social proof along the way, right? Like I reached out to David. I've now uh, established uh, some experience in working for 15.5. I can leverage that. 
um, in a tasteful manner, of course, but I can leverage the fact that he took a chance on me. I can leverage the trust that he's built with other people in his network when I'm starting to build a relationship with those people off of his introduction or, or recommendation. Uh, when I cold email other people, I can leverage the, the work that I did at 15.5. Uh, and you know anything else that I accomplished in the two years I was there, which I, I'd done a TEDx talk. Uh, I got a book deal for my first book when I was 17. Um, and so you know, I, I replicated this model. I reached out to Keith uh, Ferrazzi, who's the author of Never Eat Alone, uh, when I was 18. Uh, sent another cold email. You know, this time I was able to better leverage some social proof I'd built up, uh, which I think you know uh, opened the conversation much more easily. But I still was looking to provide value to him uh, as the first matter of business. Um, and you know that uh, effort turned into him becoming my first ever client of a marketing consulting firm that I ran. Uh, again, got to meet a ton of new people through him and, and with that case study. Uh, so I think what I've been able to do, uh, which is, is definitely needed now more than ever, uh, is find ways to meet influential people, build deep, meaningful relationships, and do so without relying necessarily on an in-person interaction at first, um, although, of course, that's an important part of deepening relationships whenever you can uh, do that. You know, and I think at some point we'll go back to normal and we'll have events. I mean, my company, Meeting the Minds, uh, is driven by these three-day uh, in-person experiences, although we're you know, figuring out how we do things virtual in the time being. Uh, so I hope we go back to normal at some point. Um, but yeah, even just the the origin story of who I am and who I've been able to learn from and work with, um, it was all through connections made virtually. So I want to ask you about the cold emails because I, I think that's fascinating. Um, many people are reluctant to send cold emails, right? And and I'm not I'm not sure why, right? The worst that can happen realistically is they're just not going to respond, right? If they're not you know, unless you just say something completely just bad, they're not going to bother to denigrate you with a response. It'll just say, you know, you might get an autoresponder, right? Whatever it is. But what, what got you to start sending out cold emails because you were, you were too young to be scared of doing that? Or did somebody advise you to doing that? Or how, how did you get to that? I think part of it was the pain that I had in having a really terrible mentor at first. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I hope that you don't need to have pain uh, before you start cold emailing or sending more cold emails. Uh, and of course, the best cold email is not having to send one at all. And it's to have right. a, a mutual connection uh, where there's trust between you and that mutual connection. And then that mutual connection and whoever you're trying to reach out to, be it a potential client or mentor or, you know, joint venture partner, vendor, et cetera, um, potential podcast guest. Um, but if you are resorting to sending a cold email, uh, then you know, it's it, how do we do that in the best fashion possible? Because even if you send the perfect cold email, you may not get a response, as you were saying. Um, it may take two, three follow-ups. Uh, maybe they just are awful at email or perhaps yeah. other things are going on, like global pandemics that they have to deal with. Oh, uh, yeah, that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if, if you are going to send a cold email, I think it's a great strategy for uh, potentially meeting some new people. Uh, and I, I don't think there's a huge barrier to doing it. It's finding their email address and sending a, a worthy message. Uh, and so for me, you know, I always start with uh, the 
social proof that I have to offer. Um, so nowadays it's easy. You know, I'm a TED and TEDx speaker, award-winning author. I got this USA Today's most connected millennial thing. Um, I have a lot of social proof that I can leverage. Uh, and then specifically for certain industries or individuals I'm reaching out to, I can reference a, a mutual friend uh, in my subject line, or I can reference, you know, something that we have in common. Uh, but for, you know, if you're just starting out, then, you know, think about in the subject line of an email, you know, before we even write the email, we're just talking about the subject line. Um, you know, Think about social proof that you can offer, whether it's awards that your company has won or that you've won, or it's a mutual connection that you see on LinkedIn. Um, and if you can't find some social proof, then at least try and spark uh, intrigue so that the other person opens your email. Uh, and you could do that by having something uh, mysterious, like one of my favorite uh, subject lines is quick question, dot, dot, dot. Uh, or you can find a way to offer your, your value in the subject line of your email. You know, hey, Mike, I have three podcast recommendations for you or, th- or three guests uh, that I'd like to introduce you to. You're probably going to open up that email, even if you had no idea who I was, because it's it's personal and it's related to how I might be able to offer you value. Uh, and so you know, then in the subject line, or in the body of the email, you know, quickly introduce yourself, uh, but do it in a sentence or two. You know, hi, I'm Jared Kleiner. Uh, and, and insert that social proof that you have or insert, you know, what you do. Um, then the bulk of that email should really be how you can help someone. Uh, and so to send a proper cold email, you know, you should be doing your research in advance. Uh, and that's where the, the power of the internet <laughs> comes into play uh, and where you could actually start uh, better initial conversations potentially than if you met someone randomly at a conference. Uh, Cause you have the luxury of, stepping back, doing a lot of research on what that person may want or need, uh, what they care about, uh, and then you can craft the perfect you know, pitch or the perfect email to them uh, to show them how you can be valuable, um, how you can be valuable right now, and you know, what the next step should be, which is, uh, hey, let's, uh, you should end your email with a call to action, like, let's get on a call, or um, when are you available, or let's hop on Zoom, uh, something like that. So I, I do think the cold email uh, or the art of reaching out to new people digitally does pose some benefits from being able to think about what you can offer as valuable, um, what the other party is going to find as a trustworthy source of credibility, you know, your social proof. And then uh, the value you can offer them, which is why they're going to pay attention to you and your message right now uh, when there may be other uh, competing priorities or other people reaching out, uh, other salespeople trying to get money from them, et cetera. So you've built, uh, obviously, uh, you know, a personal brand. You know, I, I think if, for good or ill, I hope this is accurate, but I do think of your personal brand as, as you know, the millennial who really who really gets it and has figured out a lot of the secret sauce, secret formula to digital media, to digital relationship building and, and, and so forth. And, and my question is this, is that at what point did you go from, from find, trying to find a mentor that was better than the train wreck that you initially had, right? To, becoming a cohesive plan around building a personal brand where you are going to be known for X. How did that evolve? Yeah, I think the biggest 
strength of my brand, as you call it, is the quality of my network. Uh, and I've certainly taken steps to uh, not just build a great network, but then to amass social proof uh, to let it be known to the world that I am a quality person to connect with. Uh, and so in terms of you know, thinking about that social proof curation process, as we, we can call it, um, I would start with what your ideal customers or what your ideal friends or mentors uh, would find to be trustworthy. Uh, so you know, things like TED and TEDx are trustworthy. Um, I'm really clear about saying I'm an award-winning author as opposed to a best-selling author because I know that there's a lot of people that can write a book, post it on Amazon, and be a best-selling author uh, you know, with three book buys in an esoteric category in an yeah. hour um, from their friends for 99 cents. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really salty about that. Um, so I say award-winning because it's a lot harder to win awards. And if I was a New York Times best-selling author, I'd put up a New York Times best-selling author, but I, I'm not. Um, so... You know, I've found uh, different ways to uh, leverage the assets I have and to go uh, acquire those as quickly as possible. You know, if you're uh, I, part of my business is I'm a keynote speaker and I'm, I'm a consultant for uh, major companies occasionally. And so, you know, if a potential uh, speaking client is looking at me and my body of work. What are going to be the other companies that they're going to look at and sort of deem trustworthy? What are the news sources they're going to look at and deem trustworthy? The podcasts they're going to look at, uh, et cetera. So, you know, I, I, even if it's working for free or taking a reduced fee, um, you know, I went and tried to get uh, Facebook, Samsung, Bacardi, Estee Lauder, IBM, you know, National Speakers Association. You, could, you can go to associations as well. Um, those are all you know, groups that I worked with because, uh, in part, I wanted to uh, shine a light on the quality of my work for other people who are interested in connecting with me. Uh, so there's that aspect to it um, in terms of you know, building my network because I, I think the quality of my network uh, and the diversity of my network is where my, my brand and reputation really shine and why people connect with me. Uh, yeah, I think, again, there was a snowball effect uh, at at first with building my network. So it was uh, being a, a good person, uh, looking to provide value up front, and then focusing my efforts on connecting with one super connector in, in David or, or in Keith Ferrazzi a couple years later. Uh, and then from there, it's uh, leveraging that connection to connect with more super connectors. And you know, the dirty secret is someone like Keith Ferrazzi or someone like David has dozens, if not hundreds of friends who are also very well connected, very well regarded in their fields. And so uh, I, in turn, can meet those people. And when I'm connecting with those individuals, we're starting uh, at a much deeper level of our relationship because we're both leveraging the trust of uh, David or whoever that connector is uh, in that situation. And so, you know, it's important to, you know, keep your quality of work high and, um, when I say be a good person, it's not just, uh, you know, Mother Teresa type uh, doing good deeds, but it's also having high quality products and services and showing up on time and, you know, working hard and some of those uh, basic statements. But uh, as long as you're, you know, continually a good person and you're continually looking to provide value, then your network is going to grow exponentially uh, when you focus on these super connectors. And, and you can focus on 
super connectors in your industry. I've made it a particular uh, point of interest to focus on super connectors from diverse industries and fields um, because that is my leverage in the marketplace as I have perspective across hundreds of industries and access to you know hundreds of other communities if and when I need it. Um, you know, so hopefully that's answering your question, but I, I think it's you know being mindful about who you're connecting with, and then it's also you know thinking about what's it going to take for that other person to trust me, uh, and so you know that's going to be uh, a mutual connection, uh, or if you don't have the luxury of a mutual connection, and or you want to bolster um, that mutual connection's introduction, then you can go and amass social proof uh, in the form of press and podcast uh, interviews and, uh, you know, all this stuff that you might say is your brand online. Uh, and then make sure you put it in places where people are going to see it, your, your LinkedIn bio, your email signature, um, going on uh, different shows that have a decent audience. You know, so I've been interviewed by Larry King and, and uh, New York Times bestselling authors like Neil Strauss, who have a big following in the uh, on entrepreneurial community or have been referenced on James Altucher's show, even though I haven't done a full interview with him. Um, so then it's thinking about from a distribution standpoint, like where are my ideal clients, partners, friends going to hear about me, uh, you know, in a one-to-many fashion, if it's not through a mutual uh, intro or it's not through a cold email. So let me ask you this. So, so you've, you've done, I mean, the, the TED Talks, and that reminds me, I got to go back and actually watch them. I'm embarrassed I'm not, but I, I, I will. Um, did, did those come before you decide, or in the process of building a personal brand? Or did you look back and say, hey, I did these, these TED Talks and I wrote this book. That's pretty cool. I now have a personal brand that's kind of evolving. And I've got to figure out a way to, to, to be a good steward of it or be a good caretaker of it. What, what was the order of operations there? For me, I think it was uh, pretty, uh, the, the personal brand building exercises were centric around uh, book launches and around sort of uh, getting a, a certain mission out into the world. Uh, and I think it's cyclical too. You know, I'm now thinking about how we grow meaning in the minds and what are the new uh assets in my brand that I need to build to better reach, you know, more of our ideal clients. And so I can look back at what I've done and, and, you know, pick through, you know, comb through what I have and maybe pick some of the top interviews or pick some of the top uh, places I've spoken at uh, or, or individuals that I've worked with and then reference those. Um, I would recommend, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this and you don't have a lot of social proof built up, uh, I would build that as quickly as possible so that you can go back to revenue generating activities and you know, some of the other stuff. I think you know, the, the, main, uh, the main thing here is you want to spend as much time as possible leveraging your social proof and uh, building you know, your network and, and your business um, instead of uh, what some of my peers uh, do. Uh, and they spend a lot of time chasing press opportunities and you know, chasing uh, fame, quote unquote, for lack of a better word. Like right. I'm not really interested in doing too many paid or doing too many speaking gigs right now, unless they're paid. Uh, you know, I don't need more social proof in terms of stages I've been on. 
you know, but at the beginning, when I was looking to build that part of my business or leverage stages I've spoken on for meeting in the minds or for book launches, it was very important for me to get as many high quality speaking gigs as possible and get as many names or logos I could reference on my you know, speaking page or, or wherever. So it, it depends on where you're at. Uh, if you're just, if you're starting out with a new business or new industry, uh, or you're earlier in your career, then I would build that social proof as quickly as possible so you could spend more time leveraging it. Um, but it also makes sense to view it cycl- or look back at it cyclically and make sure that the assets that you've had um, reflect how you can be helpful in the marketplace right now. Um, because a lot of times, even, even today, I get a lot of uh, references to my books. And you know, while it's great that people are reading, I want more people to know more about meeting in the minds. And so I need to adjust for that. It's not, uh, I need to make sure that what, what I'm putting out in the world uh, accurately reflects how it would help our ideal member there. Uh, uh, so that, that's a good way to think about it. So let, let's, um, I'm, I'm going to tear up the script up a little bit here. And I want to, I want to oh, no. focus on I want to, such as the script is, but I want to drill down into building social proof, right? Sure. That that's dominated this conversation so far. I get it. It's it's important. I'm I'm familiar with the term, right? But not you know I, now I'm somebody that's that's I know I need to become intentional about building this personal brand, and digital is going to be likely a big part of that. What are the things I should be thinking about now if I feel like I don't really have a lot of social proof? What can I do that's intentional to try to build credible social proof, you know, relatively quickly? Yeah. So for for you, we can use you as the guinea pig. Uh, you know, you're good. You're at uh, you're at Brady Ware, and yep. you have to think about how to generate new clients. Yep. Especially now more than ever, but in general, you you're part of your work is, is, uh, revenue generation. Um, it's, uh, upselling clients that the lifetime value of those clients, uh, is higher and higher, uh, yep. and that they, you know, once you have clients, they need to trust you, uh, to do work with them. Uh, and then, you know, they should also be excited about referring you and, and so on and so forth. So for you, it's looking at, you know, who is your ideal client and then thinking about, where do those people get their ongoing education? Uh, what n- industry news sources would they uh, regularly read? Uh, and therefore, they may uh, trust those sources. Uh, it's thinking about associations that your ideal client might be part of. Uh, it's It can be credentials. You know, I, I'm I never went to college, so I don't have the uh, the college credential that many people use. But I, I found other credentials in, in terms of uh, you know things I've done uh, that showcase that it's uh, that it's hard to do that, and therefore I had to get skills and you know connections and whatnot. Um, but it's thinking about you know, your ideal client uh, and all the different things around that person um, that are are important to know. And so you, know, you can probably write this down, you know, if you took half an hour, an hour to think about it, um, you could also ask your ideal clients, be like, hey, where do you go to get your ongoing education? Uh, or what podcast do you listen to other than mine? Uh, or, <laughs> uh, you know, where, where are you uh, hanging out virtually right now uh, because you can't go to conferences? Uh, and so then it's how do you, you know, that, that gives you some of the information that you're going to need. Um, and yes, 
Social Proof could be being featured in Forbes, New York Times. Those are sort of the wide uh, ranging ones. Um, but then it's also getting really specific as to what are the exact places that your ideal audience needs to to hear you and see you to, in order to trust you and know that you're like the perfect person for them. Um, in, in you know, If you're focusing on some sort of book launch or product launch, then you could go even crazier with this and try and book you know, 20, 30 podcast episodes. And then wherever your ideal client is turning, they're hearing and seeing you. Uh, and you're sort of a surround sound uh, influencer for them. I think that's a great strategy as well for a, a launch of sorts. Um, yeah, and then you become a, just a trusted source. Uh, and so when you finally do you know, reach out with a cold email or uh, get that mutual or you know, get that introduction, uh, you're going to start your relationship on a much uh, better footing. Uh, and then it's also reference material. So you know, it's when you are reaching out, uh, someone's going to Google you or look on LinkedIn uh, or, or see the email signature that you have. And at first they're going to be like, who the heck is this? And then they're going to be like, oh, they're actually pretty cool. Uh, or I could really use their product or services uh, or they're worth chatting with at, at minimum. Uh, so there's benefits there from a reference standpoint, but also a, a, a sort of a marketing standpoint. And uh, I would start with you know, who you're trying to influence, which you know, is probably your ideal clients as one of the main buckets of people. And then thinking what matters to them, where are they going to get their education and, uh, you know, try and be in those places. So interestingly, so, that, so to, to, to sum up what your, your advice is to, is to get connected with wherever your target audience gets their education, gets their information, right? Because that's where they'll be looking and you'll happen to be there. It, 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 interestingly, you did not say, go out and write a book. You did not say go out and uh, become a TEDx speaker, and you didn't say um, uh, go get an award from a national publication, right? So I'm curious. I'm I'm, I'm curious why that why 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 that is. I think those could be indicators of social proof, um, and they could also be ways that you can offer value to people. Um, but it's it's. Uh, I think the best bang for your buck is is starting with uh, any sort of blog post or guest blog post or being interviewed on a podcast um, or getting featured in some press because uh, those are also you know quick and easy and that's uh, more of a marketing and positioning challenge or, or exercise. Whereas writing a book is two years minimum of. Uh, absolute torture <laughs> before you get something out into the world. And most books are not good. And, uh, you know, the, I think you could use that two years in other ways. So, you know, by all means, go write a book. If you are going to dedicate the time and resources to it, to make it fantastic, uh, and to really serve the needs of your ideal listener, uh, by all means, start a podcast. If you think you can put the necessary investment of time and money and effort into it, uh, and you're going to be able to get uh, interesting guests on a regular basis that are going to serve your ideal listeners' needs. Uh, but you also have a business to run uh, for most people listening to this, or you have a, you're running a business within a business and sort of you're an entrepreneur. Uh, and so, you know, 
again, I, I think if this is a conversation about networking, uh, then it's how do I acquire the social proof as quickly as possible so that I can go on with my life and leverage that social proof. Uh, you know, most of my time is not spent uh, talking to TED, uh, the TED organization, or it's not spent, uh, you know, talking to Forbes, where I used to have a column. Uh, it's talking to potential clients. It's serving their needs. It's uh, networking with other peers uh, and learning from them uh, and discovering how I'm going to pivot my uh, primarily in-person events business to a virtual format for the next six to nine months uh, and how how I can do my pivot in a way that maybe integrates with our long-term strategies so that we um, can do a virtual part of our meeting in the minds and also an in-person part. Uh, I think there's there's a lot going on and you know your network is, is one big part of that. Um, and your, your social proof or how you uh, find other people in your network uh, should become an increasingly smaller part of that. Like when you know, the, the ultimate goal is when you reach out to people, they listen. Uh, when you get introduced from someone, you immediately get a response. Uh, so over time, you should need less and less social proof or need uh, you know, less to get that connection going and get to the, the fun stuff. So anybody who sits down and Google's personal branding uh, online influencer is going to run into the term authenticity early and often. Um, can you explain to our audience what, what authenticity means and, and why is it important? And, and how, do you, how do you project or make sure that your brand does come from a place of authenticity? I could share what it means to me. Um, you know, so it goes back to that being a good person uh, aspect. It's you know, doing the work required to uh, you know, both have good intentions and then to reflect that in your in your work. So you know, it, it always starts with the quality of your product, or the quality of your of your service. Um, you know, being authentic also means if I'm going to then start marketing or, or broadcasting who I am and what I do, uh, I'm doing it in a way that reflects my values. Uh, and, you know, sure, occasionally you may say something that is um, risque or uh, unique or different, but it's not at, uh, it's not to put anyone else down. It's, it's only to reflect, you know, who you are and what you're working on. Um, it's, uh, apologizing when you mess up and, you know, providing even more value to, to deepen that relationship or, or mend that relationship. Uh, so, you know, for me, it's, it's, uh, it starts with the work that you're doing before you ever talk to anyone and, uh, building great product services, uh, and then getting that out into the world. You know, and when you talk about, uh, networking or marketing or sales, um, I, fully believe that if you have the best solution in the marketplace, then uh, it's a disservice if your ideal clients aren't using your, your product or service. Um, but if you have, uh, a, if you're selling snake oil uh, and, you know, then you're trying to uh, run a bunch of ads or leverage these social proof uh, tactics that we've been talking about, I don't think that's authentic. I think that's, that's when you risk, um, influencing people in a way that's not in their best needs. Um, can you really sleep with yourself at night, you know, selling a, a low quality or detrimental product or service to someone? Um, 
So I think that's where authenticity comes in. And, you know, I've, I've never personally been uh, too afraid of wearing what I want when I'm speaking or uh, talking how I'd like to talk. Uh, so, I, I mean, those parts could be authentic too. If you're in a more corporate environment, you know, being able to just be you, uh, there, there's no difference really in how I am sharing with you now versus how I am at home. It, it's, there's, I'm, I'm an open book. So I guess there's a version of authenticity there that could be debated or could be, uh, implemented or not. I mean, I, I respect privacy as well. Um, you know, I, I do have parts of my life that are private, but, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much the same person, uh, you know, nine to five that I am, you know, six to nine or whenever. So one thing you've done now or you're doing now is what I would consider the, the advanced class is that you're, you're evolving from Jared Klein at the personal brand, <clears throat> the network building wonderkind into building now online communities. And, and so what, why is that? why is that desirable to you and and how do you go about how do you go about doing that yeah so f- as i was building what some have called a world class network in record time you know you are um you have a limited amount of time <laughs> and so you have to yeah. think about how to help as many influential people as possible uh with the limited time that you have uh you also have to think about how you can offer value to people uh, and, you know, many times I've found that one of the best ways to offer value to other people is by connecting them to other great people. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, pretty early on, uh, maybe 17 or so, uh, I was actively creating Facebook groups uh, and creating spaces where I was curating, um, which I think is a really important uh, word and exercise. You know, I was curating um, great groups of people. Uh, and giving them an opportunity to meet each other and provide value to one another. Um, and then that becomes one-to-many networking. Um, and you're also creating an environment where uh, it, it's sort of like a, a neural network of a brain. You know, when two people in your online community connect with each other, they're going to sort of think back to you as the person who connected them, even if you did nothing other than uh, create the setting for them to connect and maybe uh, put some guardrails in place for who's in there, um, how they're supposed to interact with one another uh, and things like that. So, you know, I've been building, I guess, online communities since 17, nothing massive, like not tens of thousands of people, but hundreds of the perfect people, um, you know, for when we were writing uh, 2 billion under 20 and 3 billion under 30, we were building online communities of some of the world's smartest, and most talented millennials. Um, so that they, the same people that were contributing to our book could meet each other. Um, and that was one of the ways that we convinced uh, these book contributors to partake is we said, Hey, um, we're asking you to contribute three to five pages of your formative life experiences to our book. Um, but we're going to give you access to this entire community of other, you know, world-class millennials. And then of course, we're going to give you uh, exposure via the book sales and people reading your story. And, you know, I personally will connect you to as many people as possible or, you know, be your cheerleader. However I can help you. I'm, I'm there. Um, you know, and that's how you convince like the founder of WordPress or the co-founder of Duolingo or champion athletes or social media influencers to all partake in, in that uh, work of yours. Uh, and so, you know, there's online communities. Uh, I saw it in different lenses uh, when I was, I guess, 22 or so. Um, you know, so after a few years of writing these books, you know, 
building a, a readership, getting to speak at some great places, um, also building that consulting firm, which started with that uh, in connection with Keith Ferrazzi. And then I had a marketing consulting firm where I worked with other top thought leaders. Um, there's only so far, you can only scale a consulting business uh, to such capacity. Right. Uh, and you know, while the work I was doing with my clients, I thought was very valuable, um, I realized that the most valuable thing I could offer was to take my clients and to take my book contributors and readers and bring them together uh, so that they could meet each other. Because then they're working with me and they're also working with each other to grow their businesses. And so that's where we started meeting in the minds. Um, I, I do truly believe in the power of online or the power of in-person connections, uh, even though most of this conversation has been about virtual connections. Uh, so with Meeting in the Minds, our, our core business is running three-day summits um, where these people are flying from all over the country, sometimes even internationally, uh, to hang out in Napa for three days or Bermuda for three days or upstate New York or Atlanta. Um, and they're building deep, meaningful relationships with one another um, where they're not talking about work. You know, they're talking about personal hobbies and things that they're doing to better themselves. Uh, then they're talking about you know, pressing problems in their business or exciting opportunities and projects uh, and, and helping one another and, and masterminding. Um, but that could be done you know, digitally as well. And, and we're doing that now as a way to, to sort of deal with the pandemic. Um, but ultimately, that is one of the best ways I can offer people value uh, is by creating these spaces where someone can get uh, a connection with me and value from me. Uh, and they can also meet all these other people that I've deemed, uh, you know, trustworthy and awesome. And so I'm now taking the social proof that I've built over time and extending it to my clients and extending it to my friends uh, and creating the space where, you know, two new strangers who I've curated can leverage my social proof and my relationship with each of them individually and start a relationship with each other, you know, and do all the things that we've talked about, whether it's work together, partner, um, you know, support each other, mastermind, uh, things like that. So, uh, you know, if you're listening to this, uh, I think you, know, you, you have to start with how you can best influence your ideal clients or your ideal boss. If you're looking for a dream job, um, build a, you know, start with that like first set of connections. Then you might think about, you know, what are all the diverse advisors, uh, mentors, peers, I'm going to need to educate me along the way and hold me accountable, you know, make sure I don't go uh, off the beaten path. And then after you've accomplished that and you've built a great network for yourself, um, then it's how do I offer this network and how do I offer what I know uh, to others in a way that will uh, allow my network to grow exponentially, but it'll also provide exponential value. And so that's where the online communities come into play. That's where the in-person uh, event series come into play. Uh, and, and anything where it's a one-to-many communication channel, um, even a podcast. Uh, I have an email newsletter that I've been pouring a lot of effort and energy into. Uh, that's where the, the groups come into play and, and can be extremely valuable. So you touched upon... One one issue I want to make sure that we cover. Um, I think I think a lot of people, even people who are experienced, frankly, can be easily discouraged because you get on YouTube, you see somebody's got two hundred fifty thousand followers, right? Or somebody's on LinkedIn, and they've got you know thousands of followers and so forth. You know what I'm talking about? 
and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm starting up. I turn on my laptop. I'm, I'm, you know, I've got eight followers, right? And, and, you know, so the question is, am I so far behind that, that I just can't catch up is, is number of followers, even the right metric to be looking at it, in your opinion, in most cases? I don't think so. And I also struggle with the same feelings, you know, sometimes, uh, I, I think it's all about your goals. I mean, for me, I would rather have uh, a network and a, a following uh, of very influential people. You know, so if I have a thousand email list subscribers, but they're all uh, serial entrepreneurs, they're all community leaders, podcasters, authors, um, and and can influence millions of people collectively or tens of millions of people. To me, that's success. Uh, and that's what I was trying to accomplish with our book series. And we had 75 uh, book contributors to both books. And so I had a, a network or a you know, community of 150 of the world's smartest, most talented millennials. And through them, you know, if I had something that was very compelling and worthy of the masses, you know, we could reach you know, 50 million plus social media followers and we could reach, you know, half a million to a million people on their various email lists. Um, such as my personal goal is to to be an influencer of influencers in in the humblest way possible. I, I want to work with the the entrepreneurs, the business owners, the CEOs who have a vision for how the world should work or how their industry should evolve, uh, and I want to help them get that vision out into the world, grow their company, um, reach more people. Uh, some other people have you know uh, business models that are predicated on total amount of viewers or total amount of listeners. Uh, and so then it should be your goal to get as many people as possible to listen to your stuff. Um, so it's, it's all depending on your goals. Um, but I, I've personally focused on the, uh, quality of my connections. Um, it's also a lot of people that'll take in content that may not sort of raise their hand and tell you that they're, uh, raised or listening to the content. You know, you may have, uh, a thousand or 5,000 regular podcast listeners and maybe five of them have told you uh, that your show's awesome in a review, or maybe they've reached out on social media, but they're still influenced by you and they're still coming to you every single week. Uh, and so I've had you know, countless stories of friends who have seen a Facebook post that I had about like my weight loss journey. Uh, and you know, they uh, never liked it. They never commented. They never told me about it. And then six months later, they're like, oh yeah, by the way, you made a post on Facebook about, you know, how you lost 20 pounds. And, you know, I started doing that and now I've lost 20 pounds. Uh, and so I, I think it's uh, important to keep in mind, you know, who's absorbing your content and information, who's watching you uh, from afar uh, and, and just how you're building your career and how you're working, who will never raise their hand and tell you that they're doing that. And that, I guess, is truly your your reputation, right? It's it precedes you before you ever meet someone. Uh, it will uh, allow you to start uh, new conversations with sales prospects much more easily or more difficultly than uh, you know, depending on how you've built your your reputation. So I wouldn't be fooled by uh, subscriber counts or lack thereof. Um, you know, I, I'd really focus on just the quality of your work and uh, the quality of the people taking in your work as you define uh, who is an ideal uh, customer, listener, uh, friend for you. Jared, you've spent a, been very generous with your time. And, and I know you, you've got to go because you have a, pa a packed schedule today. 
I've only scratched the surface of what I had hoped to ask. Um, how can people contact you for more information about this? If they have a, I didn't get to today, can they reach out to you? Yeah. Jared Kleiner at, at gmail.com. Um, you can find me on, on social media. Um, I have a private email newsletter that I keep, uh, which for the last 18 months, I have not had an opt-in page for, and I've added everyone one by one because I've wanted to keep in touch. But um, now you can go to motm.co slash newsletter and join that. Um, I'm not going to you know, tempt you with a free ebook or anything like that. <laughs> uh, but you can see some of the past uh, newsletter updates I've sent out uh, before you subscribe. So yeah, that's, that's the place I'd love uh, people to go to uh, reach out to me, you know, just directly through email. Uh, and seriously, I'd love to chat with you. I've been on a ton of podcasts and, you know, you'd be surprised even the shows with like 250,000 listeners, there'll be two people that reach out. Uh, so, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to me. You could send me a cold email, quick question, dot, 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 or heard yep. you on Mike's podcast. Uh, and, and let's uh, start a conversation. So I accidentally talked over you. Can you repeat the email address, please? Yeah, it's uh, jaredkleinert at gmail.com. So just my I name. K-L-E-I-N-E-R-T. Yes, sir. Good. Well, Jared, thanks so much uh, for joining us. Uh, I, I learned a lot, and I know our listeners have too. Um, that's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to thank Jared Kleiner of Meeting of the Mind so much for joining us and sharing his expertise with us today. We'll be exploring a new topic each week, so please tune in so that when you're faced with your next executive decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake. Our sponsor is Brady Ware & Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast.